And the more I, I asked Christ in my heart, it was finally, like the chains were broken, literally like the world was lifted off my shoulders. And I'd never cried that much in my life, but the feeling I had, I truly felt invincible. the voice of police officer Don Payton opening today's first person program. Welcome, I'm Wayne Shepard. In a few moments, we'll talk with Officer Payton about surviving a life and death struggle, which brought him face to face with his need for Christ in his life. First, I invite you to stop by our website for not only information about today's guests, but also for a look at upcoming programs and an archive of past broadcasts you can explore. We're found at firstpersoninterview.com. Now, an even easier way of keeping up with each week's program is by downloading our free smartphone app, giving you the ability to listen and or download any current or past program to be played anytime you wish. Just search First Person Interview in your app store or visit us at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. And as always, thanks to the Far East Broadcasting Company for the support which makes these programs possible. Learn more about supporting this ministry when you click on the FEBC banner at firstpersoninterview.com. Well, let's turn to our interview now with Officer Don Payton and his dramatic story. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been in law enforcement for 27 years now, um, 22 of it with uh, Columbus Police and then five of it with a sheriff's office in Marietta, Ohio, Washington County Sheriff's Office. Now, has that been a lifelong pursuit for you, or did it come a little later in life? How, what's, uh, what's the circumstance there? Yeah, you know, I've always wanted to be a, uh, a police officer. Um, what The thing that held me back was my vision, my eyesight. Hmm. So um, I, had, uh, I had a hard start with um, getting into the law enforcement career. Uh, it was about five, well, it was about four years into being a deputy um, that I was able to get... Um, um, corrective eye surgery, which opened up more possibilities. Oh, for I me. see. Well, there was a particular day in your career that really changed your life. So that's that's the heart of what I want to talk to you about today. So tell me what happened. Yeah, it was uh, it was February the eighth, two thousand and two, and I normally work a two officer car. Um, I worked um, a very rough area of Columbus, uh, a lot of gang activity violent crimes, I mean, very violent crimes, probably, probably the toughest, if, if, if not one of the toughest um, areas in Columbus. And like I said, I normally worked a two-officer car, and um, believe it or not, my partner was a brand-new Christian, just a brand-new believer. And um, he was talking about God, you know, the entire shift. He was so excited. And well, what was your attitude I, about that? Oh, I can't even begin to tell you, Wayne, the amount of times that uh, the amount of times that I would just eye roll <laughs> and be like, "Oh, Jamie, please, would you would you just shut up? I get it. There's yeah, a God. Give I, it a break. You know, huh? I, I I see what you're saying. Huh. And uh, I would just, you know, behind his back, I would just eye roll and and uh, not be mean to him or anything. But it was like, okay, I've heard enough. I just I didn't get it. You know, with that, um, I was supposed to be working with him that night. And because I had worked a concert um, at Nationwide Arena, believe it or not, I think it was the Rolling Stones that oh, was boy. in town. Okay. And I was late in getting back to work, so my sergeant put me on a one-officer car. Oh, you're all by yourself then. I see. Yeah. Yeah, I was all by myself that night. Wow. So I was uh, I was just out patrolling around, and uh, I was looking, um, you know, for any kind of criminal activity and so forth. And I was in the heart 
um, of our precinct, which is uh, which at the time was made in Wilson. There was a lot of um, a lot of gangbangers, um, a lot of problems happened right there. And uh, as I'm going as I'm going um, westbound on Main Street, I noticed a car on the south side of Main on Wilson. The car did a U-turn, and when it saw me, it reversed the U-turn. So I'm. I'm like, well, I got my violation, so I flip, and it was something very petty, but because of the area, I was looking to looking for more, you know, something bigger, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, stop the uh, uh, stop the car, and uh, the occupants of the car immediately wanted to get out, and uh, I ordered them back in the car and um, began to uh, um, go up to the to the uh, the car to confront them. And the radio traffic was really busy, so I couldn't even air my location until I was right there at the car, which was very unusual. So as I'm talking to them, um, I noticed that the car was, I, I can't remember, it was, it was um, from the West Coast. It was either from Oregon or the state of Washington, and which was really odd to be in that area. Mm-hmm. And then the driver identified himself with a New York driver's license. So all kinds of flags and whistles are going off, you know, warnings, warning me, hey, something isn't right. Um, I noticed that the front seat passenger was not wearing his seatbelt. Well, again, it's petty, but I'm looking for something bigger. And in the state of Ohio, if you cannot prove uh, who you are, if you cannot show proof of identity, you can be arrested for a minor misdemeanor, which gave me the opportunity to be able to get him out of the car and find out more information on him because he didn't have any ID. Mm-hmm. So as I go over to get him out of the passenger car, uh, passenger side, um, you know, I braced myself in case there was going to be, uh, he was going to run or, you know, resist or fight or whatever, you know, because that, that happens normally in, in that area of town. Well, as we opened up the door, I didn't brace myself well enough because he was able to push me away and he proceeded to run northbound um, across Main Street. Now, you're a pretty big I, muscular guy. So, I mean, he, he did push you out of the way, huh? Yeah, oh yeah, he pushed me right out of the way. I, I didn't realize the size he was until everything was over with. But you know, he ended up being um six four, right around two sixty, two seventy. Um but I actually think he was actually even taller than that. But he was just um he was a fighter. Yeah, he was a fighter. And um as we go as we go running across Main Street, uh he goes and and, and runs into the uh a parking lot that's has about a like a seven, eight foot fence all the way around it. And I knew that, but he didn't. And I'm thinking, oh, I got him. Now, mind you, this is in the middle of the night. This is like, um, you know, midnight, one o'clock in the morning um, in that area. And I can remember, I, I we came into the parking lot and there was a red car that was right there in the lot. He was at the front of the car. I was at the rear of the car. And as I come to, around to the rear of the car, Everything slowed down like it was the Matrix. Mm. I mean, everything. Time just just was in slow motion. Hmm. And I can remember looking at this man and seeing the whites of his eyes. Literally, my it was it was so clear, and the determined look in his eyes. Um, and he was trying to get something out of the front of his pants. Oh. And when I saw the determined look in his eyes, that was the first time that I heard a voice very loudly but very clear, say, Don, you give up, you're going to die. Oh, my goodness. Well, as soon as that happened, you know, time just goes right back into real time. 
and I'm, I'm around the front of the car, and I'm chasing him, and he's now going back out of the parking lot, running back toward Main Street, toward the car. And I'm thinking, man, i got to get this guy stopped, or you know, I'm going to be fighting you know, four guys, because there was three other guys in the car. And didn't know at the time where I got the strength and where I got the speed at, but I did, and it was just, it was crazy. And right before I went to go grab him, and as I'm thinking this, I got to get him stopped before he gets over to these other guys. That's when time slowed down again. I mean, it was just like, again, just like the Matrix. And it said, that voice came again. It said, Don, you give up. You're going to die. Time goes right back to real time. I get over. I was able to tackle him and wrestle him to the ground. And we were wrestling from the curb to the middle of the road, curb to the middle of the road, back and forth. And finally, I got on top of him. And I'm, uh, I mean, he's fighting me, and I'm punching him, and I'm punching him as hard as I can. And um, the left side of his face um, was kind of like turning like the, it was kind of turning mush. I ended up actually giving him five stitches to his, uh, right under his left eye. Um, I, I, I cut him from, from punching him so much. It was a life and death struggle. Oh, yeah, it was a life or death struggle. I mean, I was literally, I didn't know how much of a life or death struggle it was at the time. Um that was even more so than what I realized. But yeah, we were in a, I was in a fight for my life right there. So, um, as, uh, as this is happening, I'm not getting, um, him under, him under control. And at the time we didn't have tasers. So I went to my walkie and I couldn't talk. That's how intense this was, but we have what's, uh, what's called an emergency banner. And it's a button that we can push on our walkie that sends out a tone to the, uh, the dispatch saying that we're, you know, we're in distress. We need help. And I can, uh, I then pulled out my flashlight and I began to start hitting him with my flashlight to bring him under control. And I can remember the radio, um, the dispatcher said, uh, 10-3 is our, is our code for officer in trouble. Mm-hmm. Basically send the cavalry, you know, we're, yeah, we're, yeah. we're losing the fight. So uh, I was car 122 that night, and, and I, I still hear her words that haunt me to this day. And she goes, 122, we have your banner. 122, we have your banner. 10-3 on 122. Oh, you're bringing a chill to me right now. Oh. Yeah, and I'm fighting him, and I'm hitting him with this flashlight, and I'm just, and, and I'm losing, I mean, I am literally losing the fight. I, I'm about to give up because I'm like, I can't fight no more. And that's when that that uh, that voice for the for the third and last time, it everything slowed down, and that voice was as loud and as clear as it has ever been, and it said, "Don, you give up. You're going to die." Mm. And I just continued to fight, and that's when I heard tire screech behind me, and I hear this man yell, "Gun." Little did I know um, that the man that was yelling that was was obviously a Columbus police officer, and he was that was my adopted brother, my younger brother Tony, that uh, is on the department. Um, he and I are not actual brothers, but um, I have been with him. His family adopted me when I was a deputy sheriff. Oh goodness! Wow! I didn't have any family down there. Yes, yeah, so I've been with him since he's been twelve. And now, you know, he's just like a, uh, like, he was like a little brother to me, and um, he's 6'4", 250. <laughs> so he yelled, he's the one who yelled gun? Yeah, he was the one that yelled gun. Tony was the one that came to my rescue. And the guy was in the process of pointing a gun up uh, to shoot and kill me, right then. And Tony jumped on him and kept him from 
um, from 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 killing me. I mean, if Tony would have been two seconds later, um, I would have been killed. He would have shot me. Don, the story is so dramatic, and it changed your life spiritually. We'll talk about that coming up. This is Ed Cannon, president of the Far East Broadcasting Company. FEBC partners with First Person to bring these interviews to you each week because we never tire of hearing how God moves on the hearts of people to accomplish His purpose, whether in the hard-to-reach places of the world or right here at home. We serve a living God who leads men and women to do great things for Him. Learn more about FEBC at firstpersoninterview.com. Click on the FEBC banner. My guest is Columbus, Ohio, police officer Don Payton. Don is telling us about a a night in his life that changed his life, and as you'll hear, it changed it spiritually. Uh, Don, pick up the story. You're you're on the ground fighting for your life, and a gun produces itself. Uh, This this guy wants to kill you. Yeah, yeah. He was, uh, like I said, he was in the process of pointing that gun to to shoot and kill me, and um, uh, Tony was able to jump on him. Uh, to keep him uh, to keep him from killing me, and and we were we're now both fighting him. And at the time, you know, you know, Tony's six four, two fifty. I'm six foot, uh, two fifty, and both of us at the time were uh, were bench pressing well over four hundred pounds. Oh. So we're both very very strong guys. And what was amazing is this guy was throwing us around like rag dolls, literally throwing us around like rag dolls. Um, it ended up being uh, seven officers responded to the scene to bring him under control, and we got him handcuffed. And he went to the uh, um, he went to the hospital. I also went to the hospital. I thought it broke my ankle, and um, I had not, thank God. But um, ended up that he received five stitches under his eye and forty three stitches to his head, and I was covered in blood. I mean, it was a horrible, horrible scene. But we finally got him under, got him under control, and uh, we had, had him at the jail. And he kept saying to us, you, "You don't even know who you got." Well, he gave us a fake name. And long story short, uh, a buddy of mine, when when searching him, found in his watch pocket, he found a little, he found an article that was kind of, uh, it was all tattered up. Uh, this article was, um, and it talked about six unsolved homicides out of New York City, out of oh. Queens, New York. Oh. So I ended up calling NYPD, talking with them, describing to them who we have, and that is when they, they said to me, oh, wait a minute, you've got, they told me who they have. They, his first name was actually Love. And I go, what? And he goes, oh, yeah, this guy that you have, he's, we're looking at him for six homicides, and um, you know, he's, he's been a fugitive for the last two years. We've been looking for him. Um, we don't, you know, we have no idea, you know, where he was. So as the process went through, you know, we went and talked to um, talked to him. It, you know, said that we knew who he was, and he was upset that he got caught in Columbus, Ohio, with uh, for seatbelt <laughs> violation and so forth. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And then my yeah, and then my sergeant came to me and he goes, Don, he goes, um, well, you you don't even know how lucky you are. I go, oh boy, Sarge, I know, I. I was in a fight for my life. He goes, no, you don't understand. That man just told me that he was going to get you until the, after, until the other officer showed up, but he couldn't take you both. 
Hmm. And that just began to really haunt me for quite a while. Yeah, you're so, not a believer uh, at this point. You're not you're you're no. not putting any faith in any god at no. this point, although no. your your partner had been talking about it. Yes, he had been definitely planting the seeds, you know, uh with me. Um so, you know, as as the, the days went on and so forth, NYPD um um called me up and they and they asked me to go um they go, uh, Peyton, w- what kind of officer are you? And I'm like, excuse me, I, I don't understand. They go, we heard you're a big guy. We heard that you're strong. But we've never heard anyone go toe-to-toe with love and win. Never. We always have to send our tactical unit after him and, and to get him. We've never heard of this. We are, they were just amazed. And instead of that giving me, you know, a big head, but like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm this macho man and so mm-hmm. forth, it really, it really messed with me. It um, rocked your world, didn't it? it? It rocked my world. I was, I had a lot of night- nightmares, a lot of sleepless nights, um, thinking about this and being like, my, I, I, I should be dead. I'm, why am I not dead? You know, why wasn't I killed that night? Well, it was about a month later. Um, I was at believe it or not, Panera Bread. And I was getting ready to go to the gym, and um, but I wanted to get something to eat. So I went into Panera Bread, and I had ordered my food, and I had a Columbus Police hockey shirt on. Didn't even realize I had this Columbus Police hockey shirt on. And I'm just there, you know, minding my own business, waiting for my food, and this voice just out of nowhere said, oh, oh are you a Columbus Police officer? And I, I looked over, and I looked up, and it was really weird because when I looked up, you know how the lights at Panera are, are kind of like little spotlights and everything, but it was almost like there was a light shining on this man. Like a halo, was, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was crazy. It really was. And, and I almost acted as if I was on my knees. Now, he's a big man. He, he, um, he, he's 6'4", um, but it was just really a weird thing. And I go, how does he know this? I wasn't even realizing my shirt. And I go, yeah, I'm a Columbus police officer. Well, he quoted a scripture out of Romans 13 about the governing authorities. And I, at the time, I didn't even know what Romans was about. I didn't even know the Bible had a, had a book called Romans. And I said, boy, I go, uh, it's funny you said that. Um, I was almost killed in the line of duty, you know, February the 8th. And um, I've been thinking about going to the church below me, which is the Grace Brethren Church at Polaris, um, you know, just for thanking God for sparing my life. And he smiled at me. He goes, really? He goes, well, I used to be one of the pastors of that church. <laughs> he goes, I'm now the pastor of the Grace Brethren Church in Powell, Ohio. He goes, when you're done, would you come over and talk to my wife and I? I said, yeah, sure. He introduced himself as Rick Newsom. And um, when I was done, I went over and talked to him and his wife. And, and Rick, um, his very first words out of me as a pastor, was he looked at me and he says, you know what, Don? He goes, I want you to know that I'm a hypocrite and I'm a sinner and I need a savior. He said that to you. He said that to me. That, that, yeah, he said, Rick said, I'm a hypocrite and I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And I'm thinking, I've never heard a pastor talk like that before. I've never heard a pastor call himself a hypocrite, call himself a sinner and saying that he needs a savior. So he had me hooked. You know, I'm thinking, who is this guy that is so humble enough to say this? I've never heard anything like this. Because at the time, I really didn't care for Christians. I, I was very judgmental. I thought they were judgmental toward me, and they thought they were better than me. And So he had me hooked. And he 
talk to me about about uh, about God and a relationship with God, and and he invited me to church. And um, I said, absolutely. You know, I wasn't a heathen. I had, you know, I had manners, you know, and I'm like, this man took his time out to share God's word with me. I'll, I'll go. Absolutely. I'll go to church. So that next Sunday I went to church and I'll never forget when I drove up, it was not even big grace uh, at Polaris. It was, it's, it's still a big church at Powell, but it's not as big. But when I drove up, I almost didn't go in because it was so big. I'm like, oh, I've never been to a church as big before. <laughs> you know, I'm from a small town. I, I, I don't know if I'm going to go in. Well, I went in, and there's Rick, you know, welcomed me with a huge smile. Brother, come on in. Well, as the pastor, where does he sit me at? Front row. <laughs> <laughs> so my first time at church, I'm in front row, and I'd never been to a church before that had a band that was, you know, singing contemporary music. <laughs> And yeah, so I was extremely embarrassed, um, you know, about 15 different shades of red. And I, I was just like, holy mackerel, what am I doing here? Yeah. So did you come under the conviction of sin then at that point? No, not really. But um, the very first time, you know, I went and I asked him, I kept asking him a bunch of bunch of questions about life and so forth. And first time he says, you know what, he, he goes, you know what, Don, he goes, uh, my words aren't perfect, but God's words are. He goes, let me let you read some scripture. Very first scripture he ever had me read was Romans 8. And that was the first time that God really ever spoke to me through his word. Mm. And I was like, whoa, I was amazed. So he continued to disciple me. And then finally, um, after several weeks, one day, uh, I had called him up, and I was just at the lowest point of my life. And I said, you know, Rick, can we, can we talk after church? And he goes, absolutely. He goes, why don't we talk between services? Because I would go to early service. I said, okay. And we went into his office and um, between services, and he goes, brother, what's, what's wrong? I just start crying. I go, Rick, I can't do this no more. I can't do this no more. I can't live like this no more. This is, there's just too much going on for me right now. And I'm just hurting. I'm just crying. And I'll never forget, he, he put his hand on my shoulder, and he goes, brother, he goes, one day you may want to think about accepting Christ in your life because he's the only one that's going to give you the peace that you're looking for. And I said, brother, I go, today's the day. Oh. And he led me through, um, through the prayer to, uh, to accept Christ. And, uh, but I can remember it was really hard for me to get the words out. It was almost like there was an evilness mm. that was holding me back from saying this. It was paralyzing. But as the more I said it and the more I, I, I asked Christ in my heart, it was finally I'll never forget that feeling. Like the chains were broken, literally like the world was lifted off my shoulders. And I'd never cried that much um, in my life. But the feeling I had, I truly felt invincible. Well, our first person guest has been Ohio police officer Don Payton. I learned about Don's story on YouTube, and we'll place a link to that video on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. Again, firstpersoninterview.com. Thanks for joining us today. It's always great to get your feedback and what you hear, so please visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. You can leave your comments there and learn just a bit more about this program and our guests. This weekly visit is made possible through the Far East Broadcasting Company, which loves to have stories of God working in people's lives told. FEBC has a few stories of their own, and you can learn more about them and how to support this gospel ministry when you click on the FEBC banner found at firstpersoninterview.com. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next time for First Person. First Person.